Welcome to the Be the Adult podcast. Be the Adult is a nonprofit organization that provides blueprints for calm and effective parenting so that children can grow into their best selves. Because ultimately, we aren't raising children, we are raising little people who will one day be adults. Happy New Year, Nancy. Happy New Year, Marisol with fingers crossed. How are you? <laughs> I am doing well. I'm waiting for my little dog, my big dog actually, to settle down behind us. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. This is one of my favorite topics as well as one of my favorite Be the Adult people that I know is joining us this week. I'm super excited about having Carrie. Um, I'll introduce her in just a moment on to our podcast because Carrie is an incredible therapist and she has taught me so much about the topic that she's going to present today. And since I learned about it from her, every time I um, pick up an article or something, I think of her and I'll go ask her about it. And I just keep learning from her every time we interact. So we're going to talk about trust today. Do you want to read from our book, Marisol? Yes. From the child's perspective, the topic is earn my trust. And it says, it reads, I need you to earn my trust. How? Please make sure that what you say is what you consistently do. And why? This shows me that I can believe you and count on you, which helps me to trust you. And it also teaches me how to be trustworthy. So just to talk about trust for a moment, right, it's really the foundation of any healthy relationship. We're talking about parents and children today, but really you can take what we talk about into any dynamic, any relationship that you're in, because without trust, the relationship really can't grow um, and we can't, um, we, we can't feel vulnerable with someone and then get closer to them. So um, as far as the parent-child relationship, right, when our children feel like they can trust us, then they feel um, the and trust really meaning that they can bring anything to us. They can feel seen. They can feel heard. They're going to get their needs met. Doesn't mean we give them everything they want, but it means that they feel safe coming to us and that this sense of safety and security really helps give them the confidence to explore the world. and. And if we're their parent-child relationship is really the first social interaction dynamic relationship that they have. And so when we can um, create trust in their relationship, it helps them to bring that out into other relationships in the world that they have um, from a more secure perspective. Um, so gives them more of a sense of autonomy too and a willingness to take risks. So I'm going to introduce Carrie, and Carrie's going to talk much more about this. She's a licensed clinical social worker and certified synergetic play therapist. She is in private practice in Wilmington, North Carolina, and works with children ages four through nine and their families. And Carrie has two boys of her own, 15 and 16, which I always feel like we should get credentials for being a parent. Carrie, can you just take it away? I actually think Marisol is going to ask the first question. Um, well, I was just wondering, uh, synergetic play therapy, I, I would love to learn more about it. As if I was a parent and I was walking in for my kids, like what would you share with me? Because I've heard of other modalities 
you know, I've heard of Gestalt and Young and different things, but I've never uh, really heard of synergetic play therapy before you, Carrie. Um, I just want to say hi, and thank you again for having me back. I love talking to both of you. Thank you. Um, so synergetic play therapy is a model of play therapy. It was created by Lisa Dion in Boulder, Colorado. And I'm going to kind of give you the definition um, that's on the website, but then I'm going to kind of break it down a little easier than when I, when I, what I tell parents. But it's a research-informed model of play therapy that combines therapeutic powers of play with nervous system regulation, interpersonal neurobiology, physics, attachment, mindfulness, and therapist authenticity. And like I said, in simple terms, what I tell parents is I'm really here to help your child learn to regulate their nervous system. And I'm teaching parents about their own nervous system and the importance of it. I love two words that I heard, mindfulness and authenticity. So I can't wait to hear more about it. Um, so it's about the nervous system. Yes. So a lot of times parents come in and of course they're concerned because their child, there's a behavior usually that their child's displaying um, that's troubling to them. And so one of my first things that I try to do, I begin to do is to, to change the um, parent's perception of the child's behavior um, because all behavior is nervous system dysregulation. And usually what I do with the parents is I draw this brain and it, usually, it looks like a kidney bean more than a brain, but um, in really simple terms, I teach the parents about the um, three parts of the brain. There's the survival part, which is in the base at the back of our neck. And it's the first part that's completely developed when um, we're born. And then the limbic part of the brain, which you probably have heard of like the amygdala and the hippocampus, that's the part that's in that area of the brain. And that's usually developed around two to three years old. And then we have the prefrontal cortex, which is your forehead. And that isn't developed until 25 years old. And so what I tell parents is when we perceive a challenge, and this just isn't for children, this is for everyone. When we perceive a challenge, it comes through our survival brain. And if our brain says, danger, 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 it gets stuck. And what we'll see is either, and I'm, you, I'm sure you both have heard of fight, flight, freeze, or collapse. And so this is what's happening. When we perceive a challenge, our bodies are either going to go into fight or flight, which is the hyperarousal state, or freeze, or collapse, which is our hypoarousal state. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I have a I'm about to be 19 year old and I'm constantly the, like the last vintage of parenting I feel I'm doing right now is telling them that their frontal cortex isn't um, fully formed and why their action that they're doing or their behavior is needs a conversation. So I, this is for all ages, right? So all, all ages. And, and that's the biggest thing too. I talk to parents about is we forget that that part, that prefrontal isn't developed till 25. So a lot of times we have some big expectations on our children that they just can't do. Yeah, so it sounds like it's really important for parents that we learn about our own nervous system and that we also learn about um, our children's. 
Can you speak more to that, you know, why that's important and, and kind of how to do it? Um, so. Sure. Um, so we hear a lot about self-regulate, self-regulate. You've got to learn how to self-regulate. Well, no one can self-regulate unless they've been in a relationship with someone and they've had a co-regulation. They've had what's called an external regulator. Um, and so it's important for a parent and a child, for a parent to understand what's going on in their child's body, but to also understand what's going on in their body because they've got to help their child regulate because if they can't help their child, their child's not going to be able to go out into the world. And when they're not with their parent, self-regulate on their own. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. It has to be taught. It's not something that we're born with. No, we are not born with it. It has to be, be taught. Um, I, I don't know if I've said it before, but we have to become their external regulator and, and we're not taught that we, when they, when they're born, we don't know that we're told to like take care of them and give them food and medical care. But no one says, Hey, you've got to be their external regulator from the time they're born to the time they leave your home. Yeah. No one told me that. I didn't get no. that. Emma. <laughs> <laughs> and then beyond, and then some adults external regulator too. Right. So Carrie, can you explain to us what this looks like kind of in real world? So um, example that comes to mind would be um, maybe a teenager comes in and is really mad because we've said that they can't go to a party. And so um, pretend we're not in COVID era, right? This is just a party where we know there's going to be no supervision, et cetera. And they're freaking out. So let's just say it's my daughter and she's freaking out. She's really upset. And um, what, uh, you know, a lot of us were taught to do would just be like scream back and try to uh, rationalize with her and, and explain all the reasons why it's not safe for her to go to the party. And, and I know that's just probably going to escalate things. But could you maybe choose that example or a different one and how we might work through that from this perspective? Sure. So first things I tell parents or I want to teach parents is about their own nervous system, which we talked about. And what are they feeling in that moment when their teenage daughter comes in and starts screaming at them? Because they've got to be aware of what's going on with them. Because like you said, if if they just start screaming back, you're just putting fire onto fire and it's just going to explode. And so it's really important in that moment. OK, I'm angry or I'm overwhelmed or I'm frustrated. I need to take a breath or maybe I need, I need to tell her, Hey, give me just five minutes and we can, and we can talk about this. I just need to take a break. Um, it's really important for them to be aware of how they're feeling. Um, I think the next thing I would say to do is when you feel like you're regulated enough to talk to them is validate. Yeah, this is, this is so hard. You really want to go to that party. Yeah. And maybe like, another another breath because you're modeling to your teenager this is how we regulate through this anger or frustration or overwhelm and so then if my daughter keeps freaking out what, what would I do <laughs> <laughs> um it's like it's it's you're sitting in there with her you're not fully, um, and there's a, there's a word for it. It's like a one foot in, one foot out. So you don't go totally in there with her where you're totally in her or his, I think you said her, her um, anger or frustration. So you're in and out. So which means 
you've got to regulate for her. You've become her external regulator. So as you're validating, yeah, this really sucks. And I'm going to take a deep breath right here. And you take a deep breath with her. But you stay in it with her because that's what she needs from you. And this is before you give the list of these are all the reasons why I'm not letting you go. Or you haven't been responsible enough to go. You know, before you start lecturing or wanting to teach or say why it's a bad idea, you're just there being with her. I know this is hard. It doesn't make sense to you. Your friends are going. So you're connecting with her so she can bring herself into that regulated state, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, then the smarter part of her brain can have a chance to engage. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Um, and sometimes I tell parents, it, it might not be a great idea, even in, once you get her regulated, that maybe you, and if she's ready to talk about it, then that's great. But it may be the next day or maybe two days later that you talk about why she's not going to this party or, um, yeah. So can I repeat back? So as a layman to see if I've got it. So first is check in with myself. So there's an action that occurs. Um, and my child is dysregulated. They come to me. I first check in with myself, make sure that I'm regulated. And then I validate how she's feeling, which as a reminder to our audience, that doesn't mean, Nancy, you say this best. What does it, what does it validate mean? Oh, when you kind of catch and hold their experience. So but, you, you take in what they're presenting or the affect you see, what you see on their face, and you put all their ingredients in a pot, you stir it and give it back. We don't put any of our own stuff in it. Okay. So we validate their feelings and while we're regulated, we keep one foot in our regulated state as we're acknowledging their dysregulated state. Did I get that right, Carrie? So we're kind of, we're in the dysregulation with them. Like this is so overwhelmed. You're so mad at me, but you're still like regulated enough to be there with her because if you get too dysregulated, it's just not gonna. Yeah. So if if the parent's dysregulated, it's probably a good time to shut down and come back to it. If the parent is like, you know what, I can't, I need to take, yeah, I need to take a break. We can talk about this later. Yeah. Yeah. I do that often. I, <laughs> I, I remove myself until I can, um, I call it my Latin until my Latin settles down. Then I'm going to come back and address it. Um, and I tell parents, it's okay to say how you feel to your child. Not you're making me feel this way, but you can say, I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now, or I'm angry right now. And I need to take a break because you're modeling to them, naming the emotion. You're modeling to them how how you regulate. Yeah. And I think it's, it's something you have to learn to do too, because I I know I have one child who, who tends to be anxious. And in the beginning um, when she was a teenager, her anxiety, she would come in, let's say some, the printer wasn't working or something. And it would, it would, escalate very quickly and then I she would come in and the way she was presenting herself I thought someone had died you know so I would like so I had to learn to kind of read her signals and not meet her at 10 Mm -hmm. and kind of meet in the middle and that's that's been a you know a couple years of of working on that so 
she's now in college and she recently had a situation like that. And um, I, I just noticed how much she needed less of me. Like I was still present, but she was kind of figuring it out on her own, how to, how to do that. Yeah. I am um, just that you were talking about with your daughter and, and you, and she would like, it would feel like someone had died. Yeah. Um, so there's um, mirror. Uh, they've learned. I don't know how many, how long they've known about this, but it's called mirror neurons. And I know, like, really simple, simple thing about this. But they did this experiment with monkeys, and they had um, set up, you know, with the monkey's brain, and they were watching them. Like, oh, this part lights up when they move their arm. And they were on a break, and they noticed that um, a scientist had popped a peanut in his mouth because. And part of the monkey's brain lit up and they realized that just by watching that scientist, um, their brains were lighting up too. And so what I tell parents is it's called like an offering or a setup. And I make, it's not manipulative, but it's offering how the child's feeling. So if they come in like your daughter Mm-hmm. And make, making you feel like, oh, my gosh, somebody must have died. Yeah. That's her offering to you, like, mom, this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. And so you can take that and be like, oh, okay, she's she's really struggling. You know, how can I help her? Yeah, which probably wasn't how I initially started with her. And her siblings and I kind of probably, sorry, my dog. Um our siblings and I in the beginning probably weren't very generous with her because, you know, uh, but we've learned it's been, you know, like we've learned and we're having grace with ourselves for that. Well, I try to give grace to all my parents because um, we didn't have external regulators growing up, like we, you know, and so this is all really new. Yeah. So I'd love to um, give another example of kind of how this works. Um, let's, let's think about maybe a toddler. So toddlers get dysregulated, right? Um, if we use the language of some previous guests, right? Like bumped out of their resilient zone. Is that, that's what we're talking about, right? The dysregulation? Yeah. And so toddler comes in and, you know, if we're trying to cook dinner, deal with their siblings, you know, had a really long day, we're all stressed out. So now this child kind of looks like a tiger to us, right? Um, and I know the way I used to respond before I learned all of this was to, you know, escalate and try to get the tiger to go away. So um, can you walk us through a a much better way of handling that? Um, So with um, toddlers or little, little ones, if they're frustrated or overwhelmed, it's it's just like with the teenager, what we might do a little bit different where we begin to feel like, okay, what am I feeling right now? I'm feeling frustrated. And like I said, with um, the offering or the mirror neurons, it's probably how they're feeling. So what's really important is to get down on their level and to let them know, like, you know, I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now and modeling, taking a breath. But with littler kids, you may do a lot more movement compared to with like a teenager. So you may say like, Hey, I wonder if we need to go run around the house two times or let's go and swing something Kids need movement when they're dysregulated. So I tell parents a lot of times with kids and dysregulation, there's that energy and it needs to move. It needs to get out. And so even with when I'm modeling, when I'm in my play therapy, I may be swaying back and forth. I might be rubbing my legs. 
a lot of a lot of movement. So can you speak to I love when I've learned so much uh, when you talk about how kids um, project how they're feeling onto us and then we start to feel that way. Is that right? Can you explain that? I think it's really interesting. Um, sure. We do it. Everybody does it. Couples do it to each other. Um, you know, at work, we're, we're, we're offering, constantly offering people how we're feeling. Um, one of the examples I give is actually a toddler who doesn't have a lot of words um, and they're frustrated. And so what are they going to do? They're going to go to dad and they're going to do something to get dad frustrated. And then they're going to watch and see how dad handles frustration. And that's how they're learning. Oh, okay. That's what we do. Whether it's yelling or walking away. And then they might go to mom and see how does mom handle frustration or sister or brother? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and this, the sibling uh, dynamic is interesting too, because as you were thinking about it, I was going to ask you, does that come into play too? Like how the siblings might, if you have a, a you know, more than one, um, teaching them <laughs> to not dysregulate each other. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes there's the siblings with like, you're stupid or you're dumb. And I talk to parents about like, the one that's saying that, um, they're usually they're not feeling good. They're not feeling good enough about themselves. And they're offering to their that's sibling, this is how I'm feeling right now. I love that that visual in my head of the offering. I'm going to take that with me because uh, now, you know, you know, like when a cat gives you an offering of a dead bird. <laughs> so when they come with their big, you know, energy of of uh, disruption, I'm going to be like, "This is their offering to me." That's going to be the new mantra. <laughs> Thank you for that, Carrie. I tell parents if you can just stop and start. And really take a breath, feel what you're feeling. It's going, usually it is how they feel. Interesting. And, and so it's fascinating to me how, you know, we talk about modeling and all of that. Of course, if I'm modeling how to, um, you know, where to put my shoes, but really this just goes so deep into we're really modeling nervous system um, regulation, right? Which which will they'll take into everything that they do in the world. If we want our children to be able to self-regulate, they must learn it by regulating with someone else, a co-regulator. They have to have that or they just, they won't be able to self-regulate. Now that's a great point. Cause I didn't know that. I really did. I, you know, I always have that instinct that you're born with everything you need. And I'm learning that that's not the case every single day. Um, I have a question to tie it back into trust. So I, I can see how this builds trust with your child and in the family dynamic. And Nancy, this might be more a question for you, um, but if trust isn't earned in childhood, what can you give like some examples of why it's so important as we become, as we become adults? Sure. So something I talk to parents about is when kids have like really big feelings and we're not able to meet those feelings or those feelings kind of scare us, whether it's, you know, really big anger or even like sadness um, and they don't have someone to come to, um, they start to feel like something's wrong with them. Like 
my big emotions are too much for mom and dad because they either send me to timeout or send me to my room. Um, and, and they don't, and they can't be with me. So something must be wrong with me. So people can either feel like something's wrong with me. I'm too much. I'm too big. I have too much energy or even the sensitive ones, which was me <laughs> growing up is, is the same as like, I, I'm too much for people. My mom can't handle my um, anxiety. Um, that something's wrong with us. Is, something is wrong with me. Yeah. 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 And so that's the shame part, right? That we, none of us want, right? That we're, we're trying to avoid passing that down to our children. Again, I always go back to they've got parents have to begin to learn about their own nervous systems and really look at what do I do when I perceive a challenge? Do I go into fight, flight or freeze? Do I want to collapse? Um, like you said, it's so important that when their child is either in the hyperstage or the hypo, that they can be in that with them. And the only way to be in it with them is, and we just, we talked about it before the one foot in and one foot out. So you've got to be regulated so that you can be with them so that they know that like, it's okay that I have, I am, I have all this energy or I have big feelings. I think so. I, I've, and I think it's really timely too, because just, you know, with last year, with this year, I mean, it's fairly easy for anyone, especially children, um, to feel, you know, dysregulated and anxious and stressed out. Um, so I'm, I appreciate that. I, I have a question. So could you give us tangible exercises, like just examples of how people can um, be mindful or regulate themselves and help teach their children how to regulate? Sure. And um, I tell parents all the time, there's not like a one fits all kind of thing. Cause some things that you may try, you right, might realize like, I don't like this. And this actually puts me more into an hyper aroused state or more into a, um, a hypo state. So you have to find something that works for every person individually. You've got to find what works for you. Um, and so the first thing that we all can do is just breathing, like just really deep breath. I would say that's the first thing that I would do. And we talk about like belly breathing compared to chest breathing. Cause when actually, if you're just breathing from your chest, you can make yourself go into more of a hyper aroused state. So it's really important that when you take a breath, it actually comes from your belly. So if you've seen newborns when they breathe and how big their bellies get, that's exactly what we want to be doing. So I would say the first thing is like a, breath, a deep breath. We all can do that. Um, movement. Movement is big, whether it's just a walk outside, um, you know, one of an exercise routine that you're already doing, um, yoga stretches, I would say is important. Um, pressure, um, I've suggested like weighted blankets for people, um, being able to even just do yourself, like pressing your um, arms, touching your arms, even your legs can help with regulation. Cold water, drinking cold water, um, even taking like a cold shower, like just a minute at the very end of your shower can help you regulate. Those are a few things. You know, I, um, I appreciate that. And what I'm thinking is in not only are we um, 
modeling how to regulate for our children, right? We're also communicating to them that um, they deserve for us to interact with them from a calm-centered state, which again, doesn't mean we're happy, right? It just means that we can handle emotions and they deserve that from us, Um, which again, I think circles back to your question, Marisol, that, you know, as we take that out into the world, my hope is, at least for my kids, that they interact with people mostly from a regulated state and that they can be aware when someone is not interacting with them from a regulated state and either choose to stay in it and try to work through it or choose to um, disengage from from the person who um, isn't coming to them from that centered calm space. So again, and that would help with the feeling good enough if um, every time mom interacts with me, she tries to do it in a calm centered, respectful way, that too will build trust um, and safety. Is that accurate or do you wanna add to that, Carrie? I did wanna add to, I tell my parents all the time, it's not about perfect parenting. We are not perfect. Um, And there's research that shows that we are attuned to someone only 30% of the time. So 70% of the time we're having ruptures with the people that we are connected with. And the most important thing is the actual repair. So when we have a rupture or when let's say your child's feelings are just too big for you and you just yell or walk away and you feel like you didn't handle it the way maybe you wanted to, that you go back and you say, you know, mom or dad, I was, I was dysregulated. Um, and you can explain to your child, this is what was going on with me. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, it's not the way I wanted to handle that. So the repair is really, really important. Wow, I love that. I'm thinking about, um, you know, in marriage and in all of our relationships. All, the, all relationships, yes. Yeah. Wow. So that, go ahead. I was just going to say that's, that's fascinating how, I mean, I've learned so many things that I didn't know. I didn't know that we didn't know this being born. So I find that fascinating because I feel like I want to go tell as many people as possible, like, you don't know this, you need to, to teach them how to self-regulate. Because yeah. um, I, I do think that parents, um, I mean, we all have the best intentions, but if we don't know something, we, you know, invariably make mistakes. And this is one that's probably more common than not, you know. It's easier when we have a baby, um, a newborn, you know, they can't regulate on their own and they can't get their needs met unless we do it. So they, they cry for what they need and we pick up and we soothe and we take care of them. And it seems to be easier when they're babies And then as they get older and their bodies get bigger, we kind of forget that they still need that. They're actually, there's babies in those big bodies that still need to be rocked and soothed. I love that. Even in adult relationships, I know I keep bringing it to, to adults, but I think we forget that too. And we're just mad at someone or, you know, I think it's, it's easier. I don't know if that's the right word um, to, I love I love your analogy, Carrie, to kind of forget there's that baby inside because our stuff gets triggered, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then we don't have as much grace and empathy for them. 
because they should know better. They should be more mature. They shouldn't act that way, you know, and all of that stuff comes into play, which um, lends itself to, to us becoming dysregulated. And then we start that, that cycle, that repair carry sounds so cool. So one of the um, um, skills in our book is apologizing, right? I'm just going to weave that in real quick. So that is a beautiful way to frame that, right? So the repair, I, I, I like that even better. Um, can you talk a, a little bit more about that? Like how then that teaches the child to do the same maybe, or? Yes, we have this thing when the kids are little, we're always like, you know, when they do something, take a toy from a friend and we say, tell them you're sorry, you know, say you're sorry. And it's, we're not modeling that to them. And this is a wonderful way for them to see this is how real relationships work. There's conflict, there's rupture, and then we come back and repair. And if you continue to model that with your child as they get older, and then they begin to, to get into other relationships, you know, as adolescent or um, in college, they've learned how to, to work with conflict and rupture and repair. And then to, and then to want that from others too, in a healthy way healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. Seek out healthier relationships because they've experienced the healthiness in their family more often than not. Right. Like you said, thank you for saying that. We should say it every time. None of us, I don't believe I'm ever close to perfect. So, um, but the, but their, um, antennas more is set more for a healthier dynamic or relationship with somebody. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. They learn how to go, oh, I just had a conflict with a friend or a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Um, and, and they've learned how to kind of go back and, and repair that. Carrie, do you have any um, like literature or websites or anything you want to um, share with the audience about? Yep. Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, if they want to check out um, the Synergetic Play Therapy Institute. Um Lisa Dion has some great resources on there. Some of them, they're free. Um, it's regulating through the coronavirus. She's done a few of those. Um, regulating through the holidays. So if you go on that website, you can find those um, free webinars. I've learned a lot from those. They're excellent when you told me about her uh, site. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I continue to learn so much from you, Carrie. <laughs> I've learned more today. I was taking notes as you were talking. So thank just, you. Yeah, I just, I love it. I think it's, it's all really fascinating. I think I'm sorry. Um, just before we, we say goodbye, I, I know we said this a couple of times on the podcast. Um, I don't know if this will, if I'm repeating myself, but you know, thank you on behalf of be the adult. Cause I know that you and your, your husband have been supporters from the very, very beginning. And, and that's how I met you. And, I'm always very um, grateful for your support to the organization. So thank you, aside from the wonderful podcast you did today. You're very welcome. We love Be the Adult and their mission. And it's important for us to support them or support, yeah, Be the Adult. You know what I'm thinking as you're talking and I'm half joking, but I want to change it to Be the Regulated Adult. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's so clear. <laughs> The external regulator. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much, Carrie, for coming on and for everything that you are doing for our community um, and for our listeners and for.
for Be The Adult and, and for me. I truly value our relationship. So thank you. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, I would like to share a little quick story. I was wearing my Be The Adult hoodie out and about um, on a rare day that I left my house to do some some Christmas shopping. And I someone actually stopped me and asked me about it. So there are many ways to support Be The Adult. And one way to do it is our merchandise store where you can go on and buy a sweatshirt, a hoodie, a journal, a mug. And as Nancy and I have been trying to articulate, be the adult doesn't say that you're being the adult 100% of the time. Be the adult is more of an accountability partner to help us with these, all these um, steps that um, Nancy has been so gracious to put together over 20 years of, of therapy. So support us, be the adult.org. Nancy, thank you again for another wonderful podcast. Carrie, as always, it was a joy. Thanks, Marissa.